0: what is going on guys this is rob pierce joined by my lovely co-host alex Corigliano Macelli, and this is the mets legends cast my cat looks like he will be joining us at some point he's making his move over here to try to jump on the dining room table but so we'll see what happens with that later on in the podcast we might have a special guest daniel daniel o'brien as my cat's name is o'brien because he has adopted
1: it's and it's Daniel O'Brien.
0: Yeah, yep. Toby Daniel Alexander O'Brien is his full name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bless.
0: Yes, bless Dan, Dan for short. God,
1: I got to meet this Dan. I want to like. Is it a cat that I could grab the belly of? To whom I could grab the belly? The belly. He
0: he lets me. He lets my mom's boyfriend, but I think he's pretty friendly. And here he comes. He's making his way over here. So. But, yes, I always rub his belly, and he, he makes it very obvious that he wants me to rub his belly. He'll, like, sprawl out. <laughs> so, he's a, he's a mush. He, he could be a little bit of a rascal. He gets a little bit feisty sometimes, but he's the best. I love him. It's like,
1: ah, uh, wouldn't it be crazy <laughs> if someone just grabbed my tummy right now? I oh, would be so crazy.
0: That would be absolutely wild. Imagine, like, I said that to you. I feel like it would be normal, though. I feel like you wouldn't look at me any differently.
1: I I I would grab a handful of tummy. Yeah, as
0: you should. <laughs> so since we've talked to you guys last, there's really been nothing on Carlos Correa which leads to the question when Correa, when Correa, where Correa, where Correa, how Correa, why Correa, what Correa? Is that it? Did we cover our who's what's when where's and why's? I think who so. Who Correa? Oh. Yeah, who who
1: is but we know Carlos who.
0: Correa? Who's the real Carlos Correa? Mm. But anyway, happy new year to you guys. Happy holidays. We missed you on Hanukkah and on Christmas and everything in between. So happy Mm -hmm. new year to you guys. Hopefully 2023 is off to a good start for you guys. Our prayers are our prayers up to Damar Hamlin. There's been no real updates on that, but I think he's kind of trending in the right direction. So hoping that you know he could slowly but surely kind of uh kind of um you know make a recovery a slow but surely recovery
1: yeah we're really hoping this is like a, a no news is good news type of situation you know
0: and i think i think so i'm hopeful that that's the case i think that it would be if it was something that was more concerning we would hear about it so yeah it's definitely demar demar hamlin of the buffalo bills we're thinking about you but uh Alex, how was your holiday? You were in Ohio,
1: as oh, you were man, telling me. I was in Ohio.
0: You went to a Browns game.
1: Yo, I went to a Cleveland Browns game. I did not cheer for Deshaun Watson because it just seems crazy to do that.
0: Yeah, I don't believe Uh
1: you. But he he did look good, and it's exciting. I've never been that close in a football game. I last time my last football game was 2006 when Chad Pennington was still the quarterback of the Jets. I went with my dad and his friends, and the only thing I remember about that day is hearing we are the champions when the jets won that day. <laughs> this is the old Meadowlands yep. and my dad and his friends talking about how hot Serena Williams is and I remember just being like <laughs> like I don't <laughs> talk about girls. I'm
0: 13. I don't talk about girls.
1: I'm afraid to express how I like girls in front of adults because I I'm sinful.
0: <laughs> and A you Catholic saw Catholic guilt
1: is crazy. Oh,
0: Catholic oh, guilt but, is so crazy. <laughs>
1: Uh, but we, we waited to buy the tickets last minute because, as we all know, there was a blizzard. And in Cleveland, at kickoff, it was negative 16 degrees. Mm. And then wind chill. So Bears. so many layers. Uh, even more layers of foot warmers. But I wound up having a great time. My brother's beers were literally freezing in front of him. Mm-hmm. Like they were turning into slushies within minutes. That is insane. So that's how cold it was.
0: I've never seen anything like that in person. Yeah,
1: but we, But we sat in the front row. And it was exhilarating, and it's like, oh wow, like these ten yards are crazy long for for these guys because it's just like a, it's just an extreme game of Red Rover, yeah, uh, but with some passing involved, and it it really is incredible. But, and then you see this stuff with Damar, Damar Hamlin, and it's just, I mean, it's really freaky. I'm I'm a, as a baseball coach, and I don't want to turn it like into about me, you know, but as a baseball coach, you you trained to have to handle these type of situations. You know, you're the adult in the room. You have to, if something were to happen, if some, God forbid, like some emergency like that, I had to take a training class. You can't coach without it. And it would be expected of me, every game, every practice, you have to have a defibrillator like with you. You have to have an AED with you. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, it would be expected of me to like to do that. And I remember at the training, just like looking at people perform CPR in these dummies. And you know, like that, like, would take the form of a child in my head sometimes. I'd just be like, <laughs> "Like, I don't think, I don't know how I'd be able to do it. It's just so scary to think about. Like, it, it gave me, like, a panic. Like, I just got a lot of anxiety looking at it. Like, oh my gosh. Absolutely. And so to see everyone, like, on the TV, you see the players experiencing it in real time. And it was just, it's just really scary. Sports could be really scary sometimes. You know, baseball's not exempt from this type of thing. No,
0: uh, you know, we've not, seen obviously it. Obviously,
1: it's not a, you know yeah, we've seen i mean not to that. the
0: degree that we saw with Demar Hamlin but i mean i can't remember ever seeing an nfl game get suspended like that mid game i mean it doesn't really happen very often in no. sports in general i mean other than like weather related incidents but you know but yeah i mean it was just a uh, from what the information that is pre- presented it seems like it was kind of just like a freak thing where like he got hit really hard kind of between Heartbeats, you know, and it kind of led to that cardiac arrest. And yeah, I mean, they're playing. You know, it's a gridiron football. You know, they're they're slugging each other, and you know, these guys are big guys, peak performance, and they're they're athletes like no other in the world. So, but yeah, very scary stuff. Um, so, our thoughts are definitely with Demar Hamlin. Um, but back to the Mets. Not to like just not a very not trying to be abrupt or anything like that, but just back to the Mets and Carlos Correa. Since we kind of got off that topic a little bit, Carlos Correa's deal, I would not say it's in limbo, but there hasn't been any updates really. Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic opined yesterday on the Athletics baseball show that the deal could look different than what was reported as 12 years, $315 million, whether that is incentive laid in now or it is a shorter deal or whatever it is or it might even be the same deal we'll see but it hasn't come out yet i think that if i had a guess just being a guessing man i would say that i'd like to believe the deal is going to be done this week at some point but who really knows but i i I have faith that it's going to get done i have faith that he'll be a met it seems like it it seems different than the the giant situation where the giant or, or Scott Boris and Carlos Correa pivoted to the Mets, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen this time, unless the deal like absolutely just falls through and the bottom falls out. But so I think he'll be a Met. but it is, it is kind of torturous waiting and just waiting for that, you know, the, the ball to drop on that one.
1: Yeah. It, and it does make you think that, uh, since they pivoted so fast to the Mets and now ever since, uh, the news about the medicals with the Mets came out that he's, there's been no news after that, it does make you think that that quick pivot might have been like an emotional thing too. I I, I think it does seem like to me that Correa strongly prefers to be with the Mets and that he's really excited about that prospect too, which makes me excited. And in that same, I think it was was in his podcast, it was in his mailbox, um, where Ken Rosenthal um, expressed how, you know, it'll probably be some type of restructured deal. He also mentioned that the same thing, similar thing happened to Boris clients, uh, Pudge Rodriguez and JD Martinez, and that they wound up getting the same reported years and money like overall uh, with their deals, but with just added language to it, like um, abilities to opt out. And in both cases, both guys play the entire extent of their contract. So it does make me think maybe we still get the same contract. Um, listening to uh, the Athletics Around Table today, Grant Brisby, who's strongly connected to the Giants, he mentioned how he couldn't share anything because HIPAA, you know, regular uh, violations, but he did share that they were concerned about the long-term viability of the ankle, of the, the plate that's in his ankle, and that um, I think the worry would be some type of deterioration, like a long-term thing.
0: Which is understandable. Which is a projection, yeah. It's understandable, but also I think that When you're bringing in a guy for 12 years that's already 28, 29 years old, you have to understand that the last few years of that deal probably aren't going to be as great. Um, I think that in the Mets scenario, Correa has been healthy the last few years. I mean, the injuries that he suffered recently were like a broken finger from a hit by pitch, and I think he was out a little bit with COVID. Here comes my cat please do not step on my laptop. (laughs) Amazing. I don't want him to pause the recording or anything like that. He's so silly. Um, But uh, yeah, I think that, um, I think that you're hoping with Correa that you could get five, six years out of him that are solid, that are going to be the caliber player that you're expecting to get with a guy like Correa. And just as we saw today, Rafael Devers and the Boston Red Sox are in agreement on an 11-year deal. So it really made me think it's like I was kind of looking at it in the realm of like, okay, if the Correa deal doesn't fall, doesn't come to fruition next winter, you have Rafael Devers out there, you have Shohei Otani out there. But it's like things can happen, and they did. I mean, Devers will probably be in Boston the rest of his career now unless he gets traded 11 years. He's going to be locked up till he's in his late 30s. But you have to strike while the iron's hot. If there's a player like Carlos Correa out there and you have an opportunity to sign him, then you have to sign him. You can't really think about what's going to happen next year, what the possibilities are going to be like. And I think Steve Cohen and company realized that. And you can't really think about what's going to happen next year, especially if you're trying to field a winning team this year. And with all the Mets have already done this year, Carlos Correa, in my opinion, is really that missing link. So I'm excited for the deal. I hope it does get done. I wish we had more information to provide you guys about that, but yeah, it's still kind of uh, very, very airtight. You're not really hearing much coming out of the Steve Cohen camp or even the Scott Boris camp. So hopefully, like you said earlier, no news is good news with these kind of things. And uh, hopefully they're working every day to get a deal done. So,
1: yeah, because once again, like you and long-term viability, health, player health, the thing about superstars is that they're so above the mean so far above the mean at their peaks like before and then during their peaks that when they do start to decline when they do start to look like not the same player who signed that contract they're still an above average player they're still well above average that decline is it's there's a lot of studies there that decline is is not as drastic because they're coming from such a high peak and usually they they're of such like high intelligence for the game that they're able to adapt and i mean technology is better than ever in terms of players being able to maintain their health and and retool their swings and whatever can be missing and correa while he's had a very sketchy injury history they've all been freak injuries like like not like consistent hamstrings or something it's been broken fingers like you said uh, that bout with COVID, you know, things things of the such. And so when you have the guy who's like in the door, you know, because it could also, in sports, it's like a brotherhood, you know, and you don't know what backing out of this Correa deal could do to your future free agents who might not want to play ball with the Mets if they're going to do that, especially now that that would be a, a spicy, immediate, I don't know why I said spicy, but a spicy, immediate history of backing out of deals Like they did with uh, with rocker, yeah. And so with like a a possible Otani thing, where there's going to be a bidding war, the Dodgers aren't spending diddly squat this year because they're just preparing for Otani, Um, or even like Machado next year. If you miss out on Correa, no matter what, like it could look really bad. Maybe Boris doesn't want to play with uh, deal with the Mets anymore, and so it's pretty vital. And so looking at Correa. And we were we were looking at these. Uh, I was looking at these charts earlier. Someone I think it was like, So it was like MLB analytics shared it on Twitter, but and then which brought me to like look double check this on Fangraphs. Carlos Correa as a shortstop has a higher career WRC plus at one at a one thirty career average, and he hit one forty last year. So higher career average WRC plus. Then two of the biggest third basemen in the game, Austin Riley and Rafael Devers, arguably only, be, those two are probably only behind Arenado and Machado, unless I'm forgetting anybody in terms of um, being a top third baseman. So the fact that Correa, as a shortstop, already ranks ahead of them is significant because As we know, historically, there's been a a scarcity of elite hitting shortstops who are also good fielders. That's why these past two shortstop free agent classes have been so special, because this isn't normal when someone like Francisco Lindor, when someone like Carlos Correa, Corey Seager last year, who's not as good of a fielder, but probably a better hitter, um, it's not normal for these guys to be so elite offensively as, as shortstops. And so, and the reason why it's so rare is because shortstops is such a taxing position, just like center fielders. You don't see too many Mm -hmm. like current elite hitting center fielders because, uh, it's so taxing on their bodies that, um, it, it naturally, they are weaker hitters. So, Carlos Correa with the move to shortstop, who's already expressed excitement over that um because he said he'll give him the opportunity to bulk up. This presents a, uh, a possible future where he's an even better hitter or at least unlocks more power. He's hit up to 26 home runs before. He seems to regularly hit above 20. And so I could imagine him hitting 30 regularly or semi-regularly as a as a shortstop. You know, you that's that's pretty huge. And and the fact that you could have that defense <laughs> next to Lindor, who seemed to play better when he was next to Baez, you know, it, it seems like these guys will be competing against each other, uh, really lifting each other up. And then imagine that infield when Guillerme is there too. It's just really, it's a really exciting prospect. The more I think about it, the more excited I get about it. And so uh, Steve Cohen, Alex Cohen, I know you're both huge listeners to the pod. Uh, I'm, thank you for the fruit basket uh, that I got for Christmas. And the Ferrari. Um, and the and the and the Ferrari, uh, I appreciate that too. But uh, I can't afford the I can't afford the insurance on that, so I had to return it. They they, they understood. Uh, but if you're listening, please get this deal done.
0: Yeah, and that's surprising to me. I didn't realize that Rafael Devers had a lower career WRC plus than Carlos Correa. That's
1: pretty incredible. I, I think it's 126.
0: I mean, yeah, and Devers is great, but it's just it's testament to. It's testament to how good Carlos Correa is. And also, like, it's a couple things, too. The Mets haven't really had a lockdown third baseman since David Wright. You look at, like, some of the guys that were over there since then. You had Todd Frazier, who was fine, but was at the end of his career and was kind of a stopgap. And then you've kind of had, like, your Eduardo Escobars of the world playing there since. And I think there was that hope that Brett Beatty could be that guy and Maybe you use Brett Beatty as a trade piece. Maybe you shuffle him to left field. Maybe you keep him at third base and he becomes your DH. You get Carlos Correa, and you have your third baseman for the next decade. You have a guy where now that side of the infield with him and Francisco Lindor is completely solidified. And also on the offensive side, like I've mentioned ad nauseum, is he's that fulcrum piece. He's that guy who really pulls together that lineup. He gives them so much more depth in that lineup. He gives them a big bat in that lineup that they really lacked last year. And you saw it. You saw it with after the five hole, your six, seven, eight, nine guys, it was like a black hole. It was like it completely fell off the cliff. But the Mets, they've done a good job. They've done what they've had to do on the offensive side this year so far. They re-signed Brandon Nemo. If the Carlos Correa deal goes through, then you have Carlos Correa. They got Omar Narvaez, who can muscle up on some balls and hit some balls out of the park. you got rid of James McCann. Darren Ruff, we'll see what happens. Maybe you bring him back and you see what happens in spring training. You could cut him. It's really not that much money that he's guaranteed. The Mets might even explore trading for another bat. One thing that we saw in recent days is that the Mets, after the Correa deal is rectified, whether that is the Mets signing him or not, they, seem to, they will seem to – how do I want to say this? They will likely hit the trade market and swing a few deals. Eduardo Escobar's name is a guy that you've heard maybe being traded, which makes sense for the amount of salary that he's making – Luis Guillorme is a guy whose name we've heard a little bit, but the Mets are going to make some moves other than just Correa. I think that there's still some work to be done in the bullpen, like we've mentioned. Yes, you brought in Adam Ottavino again. You, David Robertson, is now going to kind of take Seth Lugo's place in the bullpen. Edwin Diaz is resigned. The Mets have had some good waiver wire pickups and Rule Five pickups that are appealing, or maybe some of these guys stick and. Yeah, but I think that you know you really do have a need for maybe bringing another bullpen arm or two, and then another bat, kind of round out that offense. So, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the Mets potentially trading Eduardo Escobar? Do you want them to? Do you not want them to? Do you? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, before I get there, I do want to correct myself on the Devers comparison. I was just double checking, and while Devers's career or uh, WRC plus is lower than one hundred and thirty, lower than Correa's, that also includes um uh an aberration where I, think, I don't think that's the right word but he had a 108 wrc plus in 2020 so you could just disregard that and then that also includes his rookie season of 110 and then his second season at 90 but other than that he has 132 and 19 133 and then 141 last year which that's really good i didn't even realize it was that good so devers not not uh the numbers kind of lie a little bit, but I did double check on Manny Machado, and Manny Machado uh, has a lower WRC plus than Correa. So, uh, pretty good. Pretty good.
0: It'll be interesting to see where Machado goes. I wonder if he'll just restructure his deal with the Padres. I wonder if he'll maybe return to the Dodgers. You know, he was with the Dodgers for that half season a few years ago. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be, I kind of hope
1: he stays with the, with the Padres. I like him there. I don't know. I think they need a guy like him.
0: Yeah. He's great too. He's, I feel like not that he's underrated, but I do feel like he is not like always in the conversation of like, quote unquote superstars, even though he, he really is. Um, but yeah, Machado is an excellent player and I think that he's a good fit in San Diego.
1: Yeah. And, and back to the trade question. So sorry for that. It's Okay. Uh, Personally, I—I I mean, if if money really isn't a thing with this team, I mean, having Escobar as your everyday DH, or at least your, um, you know, when not, when Volga back's not in there, um, ha- having him as DH and being able to put him around the infield, not a great, like historically, not a great third baseman. I think, uh, his defense was better at second with the Diamondbacks. I think that's where he was. So you know. I, there's a lot of flexibility. I mean, if you could like put Escobar at second on some days and then have McNeil on the outfield, that's a strong lineup. And then with like Vogelback like DHing or something, or whenever they decide that whenever Francisco Alvarez, who I still believe is going to blow up this year, whenever he bec- um, gets a stranglehold of some type of place in the lineup, you know, all these things make Escobar more redundant. So if money's not a thing, you got to keep him because, I mean, he just adds so much, especially uh, his personality in the clubhouse. He really endeared himself to me. I love him. He, he instantly became one of my favorite players, and I've always kind of liked him. You know, like, oh, Escobar, that's cool. I, I, you know, I root for him. He's a good player. But he, he's he's fantastic. Uh, so I really hope. Trademark. Uh, so I hope they don't trade him. Uh, Guillorme, I, I have a lot. I mean, I know I have a lot of people on on Twitter. Uh, shout out Caroline, who just, if she ever listens, uh, who absolutely love Luis Guillaume. he's another guy who I just adore. He really st- i thought stepped up last year, tailed off at the end um but once again, if a trade makes sense, you know like i would I would be really angry if they traded these guys for salary and redundancy position redundancy reasons, but the guys that got back, but the guys they got back are like you know like drew Smith or you know like the type of packages we saw. Um, during our sell-off in like 2018 or something, you know, where we weren't going anywhere. And we sell trade-off our best guys for minor league pitchers who mostly don't pan out. So if it was something like that, I'd be ticked off. But if they're good trades, sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think Escobar is a guy who is liked amongst his teammates. He's an easy guy to root for. He's got a really infectious personality. And I think that you really saw him come into his own at the end of the 2022 season. So I think that I would personally like to keep him because I think he really lengthens that bench. But I could also understand that he's a guy who he has like one year, $10 million left in his deal. The Mets might look to move. But we'll see. Um I would understand if they did it. I would be okay if they kept him and I would understand if they traded him. So and with Kiorme, I, I know he's another guy who's a fan favorite. I think that He's a guy that's also very well liked in the clubhouse. But if I had, truthfully, if I had to choose between keeping him or Escobar, I would want to keep Escobar because I just think that. Guillaume doesn't offer much in regards to offense, but it's so hard because it's like he's a better defender than Escobar. So like I'm fine with having both of those guys and you have to account for injuries too, where it's like things kind of like, I'd rather have a spoil of riches than like be scrambling and having a guy like ghost gay Kato being your, your option. And that's Best not, and that's piece. not to disparage my buddy ghost gay Kato, but I would rather not see him if I had a choice.
1: Yeah, no, you know, you're totally right about that, especially uh, with this lengthened lineup anyway. Like, you keep keep Escobar. Like, you could get rid of Guillaume because, I mean, if you have to, if you have to. I want to keep him. But, like, if you had to get rid of him, think about how, like, we no longer need to sign, like, a Mezorosko or someone to, like, play backup shortstop because, let's say, Lindor gets hurt. Guess what? Correa is here. Uh, um... Correa gets hurt, you put Escobar there. You put Guillerme there. You put um, you know, Jeff McNeil is at second base. He could play left field. Now that third base is taken. If you really believe in Brett Beatty and think he's ready now, put Brett Beatty in left field, he could be our long term left fielder. Um, you know, if there's just if, if not Brett Beatty, McNeil's in left field, and then you can move Escobar to second. I mean, that that does do a lot. And so, you know, with that type of action going on, you your army is that much more redundant. But once again, I'd rather play with the embarrassment of riches. If if we could if it makes sense to keep all of them, let's keep all of them. I think it makes sense. Why not? We're already going crazy. Why not?
0: What moves would you like to see the Mets make to round out their off season this winter once the Carlos Correa deal comes to fruition or doesn't? I mean, I guess it's it's that's kind of a uh, interesting question because if the deal doesn't come go through, I don't know what the Mets are going to do really. I don't know what direction they would pivot in. But let's just say, for argument's sake, Carlos Correa, it all pans out and he becomes a Met. What moves do you want to make if you're the GM to finish off this offseason for the Mets?
1: So if my my dream move is that rumored move that ha- that was being rumored about two weeks ago with the Hendricks trade. And I think the reason why we don't hear anything about that anymore is because that was contingent on if we signed Correa. If we signed Correa, Escobar is redundant at third base. And so the dream trade would be that original rumored one where we'd probably trade Escobar and some prospects to the White Sox for Liam Hendricks. And then that way, the bullpen is just unbelievable. I mean, there's just... It'd be unbelievable. Robertson, Ottavino, Hendricks, Diaz. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Um, in the unlikelihood of that event, which I think it happens. I genuinely, in my heart of hearts, think it happens if Correa becomes official. Um, if not that, just other moves to round out the bullpen. Uh, there's no other big free agents that are worthwhile. Um, there's no, there's no one left if, if Correa falls through. Mm-hmm. So Correa falls through we did pretty well last year with Escobar at third base. Uh, we did pretty well if Beatty's at third base or we could do pretty well. And I still think that Beatty and Alvarez could be ready to contribute now or at least by the summer. So with all that being said, I think the the offense is fine. If they could find like a, another depth bench piece, uh, a, a fifth outfielder, uh, someone else in the outfield, um I you know what? I was talking all about the like, left field and stuff before, I completely forgot about Canna. So yeah. very mm-hmm. sorry to my to my fellow foodie. That's crazy. I'm very sorry. We
0: love Canna.
1: <laughs> love him so much. Beatty uh well actually it still works out anyway because he's right handed, so he could be platooning with either McNeil in left field or Beatty in left field, however however it needs to work. But just one more one more outfielder I think would really round it up. But otherwise, I think this is just, you know, a phenomenal rotation. Maybe a few more minor league signings. You could find more veterans to sign to minor league deals just to really give us um, the rest of that, like, at ad- needed depth, especially with all the old guys in the rotation. So that that would be it. It's fine. Um, I, don't, I don't have, like, a list of, like, potential free agents in front of me. Rob, I feel like you probably w- would know. But, you know, vet- veterans for, on a minor league deal... And, you know, another arm. That's it.
0: So, yeah. I mean, I think that I don't know the starting market as well. I think that the Mets are probably okay with starting depth because you have Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, Carlos Carrasco. And then even beyond that, you have David Peterson. You have Tyler McGill. So I think they're probably set if they – come into a situation where they have some injuries rotation wise i think there's still some arms out there that are appealing i've mentioned matt Moore before i he's still Mm, out there i think he'd be another good lefty to have out in the bullpen with brooks raley who obviously the mets got earlier this offseason from the tampa bay rays andrew chafin is still out there he is another really good lefty reliever Former Mets farmhand Michael Fulmer is a righty, but I think that he could be a guy who could be a good middle relief option for them. So unless Michael Fulmer signed, which he might have, I'll have to check on that, but I think that he's still available. Um, but if not, I'm pretty sure Mike um, Matt Moore and Andrew Chafin are. Uh, a guy that I also really like is A.J. Pollock. I think that he would be a good outfield option because the Mets are a little thin in the outfields. So I think that bringing in someone like Pollock would be a good bench piece, fourth outfield type, who could kind of slide in and that slide in and out, give Canna a day off, um, give Marte a day off, whatever. So just kind of supplemental pieces like that. Um, obviously, I think the Mets did what they had to do. They got rid of James McCann. That was a big thing. Dan Vogelback is back. I think that that solidifies like the left-handed part of the DH. It would be nice to have a guy come in like a Pollock, like a Adam Duvall, perhaps that could give you some some stability in the field and also give you uh, another DH option. But yeah, and it's so funny too because like we did like from an outside perspective, like I don't think any Mets fan thought that they were going to get Carlos Correa this winter after all they did. So like, it's kind of just like icing on the cake at this point. But like, if the deal falls through, it's like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. If it falls through. Cause like, then you realize that like the Mets are a significantly worse team, not that they're bad, but Correa makes them a much better team. He really takes them to the next level. I think so. That's a really big deal. and like you're not gonna find anyone else that's gonna replace Korea at this point, e- what well, even if it's via trade. I just don't think that that's gonna happen. So I think you know, and, and I think it'll get done. like I've said, I, I don't really have any doubt in my mind. I would just like for there to be a resolution so that we can all kind of rest easy. but yeah, um,
1: I, uh, potential low level um, started, starters that could be maybe had. Uh, for like a minor league deal for like out of depth. Um, I, I won't mention Cueto or Krenke because they're, they're still like pretty good. You mentioned Matt Moore. I think that's great. Maybe uh, Dylan Bundy. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a Chris Archer maybe.
0: Yeah. Chris Archer one too. One of those is guys like, could be had. Like those are both two guys that I would take a flyer on for the simple fact that they were at some point in their careers like – promising guys and archer obviously had thoracic outlet syndrome so it's a little bit of a harder road dylan bundy i think is more of just like a failed prospect who's like kind of but if you bring in someone like dylan bundy to be like a triple a starter and he could maybe make a start here and there i think i'm more than okay with that so but yeah it'll be interesting we're not that far out from pitchers and catchers you know several weeks from now there'll be pitchers and catchers. So. Baseball will be here before we know it. A uh, really cool thing today is that Steve Cohen is inviting people in the Queens area to City Field to, to discuss like what they would like to have around this, the ballpark. So it says on Saturday, January seventh, Steve Cohen is inviting people who live and work in the Queens community to meet and reimagine the area around City Field. Um, And as we all know, around City Field is really just a bunch of auto bodies. There's not a lot of attractions and really like nothing within walking distance that would be appealing. Like, you know, you kind of just drive to the game. And if you want to have stuff, you really just have to have it inside. McFadden's doesn't exist anymore, which I think was a a good place for pre and post game drinks and food. And then there is the brewery outside City Field as well. But imagine like, you know, there's... A strip of restaurants and bars or a barcade and like you know a bunch of things like that you can go bar hopping before the game after the game it could be a really really amazing experience for fans that we've never seen before as fans of the new york mets and i think that kind of goes hand in hand with they're planning to build that soccer stadium in queens as well so you could have like you know, the soccer stadium, you could have Arthur Ashe Stadium, City Field, and then all of these like amazing restaurants and bars and storefronts and whatever. It'll be kind of like a little Wrigleyville type situation where like you're going to go to that area and you're going to, you know, get there in the afternoon, hang out till the nighttime, or if there's a day game, you're going to, you know, just go out afterwards. And it's going to really make the whole fan experience that much better. So, I think it'll take some time, but it'll be really exciting to see the rest of the area around City Field develop because it is such a beautiful ballpark. It really is. It's a beautiful ballpark, and to add stuff around it would just be amazing. Rob, what would
1: you like to see added over there? That's a good question. Um,
0: I think that it would be – like you're not going to have another brewery, obviously, but I think that it would be really nice to have some sort of – like, it's some diversity there, too, right? Like, if there was like a really good pizza place that was there, and there's like a really good, like, Thai place there, you know, a really cool, like, a pub where you could just go and get like a nice pint of Guinness before the game. Mm. Um, I think a barcade would be really cool, too, right? Because it's you like you
1: barcade, that'd be sick.
0: That'd be so cool, you know, like just you're with a bunch of your buddies, you could play some arcade games, have some beers, like, that would be really cool. Um, some extra merchandise stores, I think would be cool. Like, you know, selling jerseys, hats, team apparel and everything like that. Um, but I think some like diversity in like restaurants, like different restaurants, like you could have just like one that does like really good burgers. Um, like I said, pizza, Thai food, um, whatever, anything like that. Um, and it's something that like, it's like, you could do all these things too while keeping it in this, in like the tradition of the Mets of like having it all make sense in regards to like one cohesive unit. So yeah, I, I I'm really excited for that. I think that that'll be a really cool game day experience, and also like in the off season too, right? Like you could take advantage of that as well. Um, you know, where those things where it's like that area could just become more lively. People will go there even when the Mets aren't playing because there's a lot of stuff going on. So man, um, I think it'll enhance uh, the whole the whole area.
1: Man, traditions be damned, I think if you have that area um, developed the way it could be, I mean even just like 10 years down the line, I could see that maybe, maybe that'd be too soon, but I could see the Mets really kind of, I want to say vaulting ahead of the Yankees in terms of popularity. Uh, I think they'll, they'll always have more of a global thing just because of like the, the history of them. But man, man, the, the, on the local level, you'd, I think you'd have a lot more kids who grow up as Mets fans. If you have something like that, a lot more kids. Um, I'm, I'm proposing some venues that could be called like Shea Stadium, you know. Uh, for some reason in my head, and I feel like maybe it's because I'm plagiarizing, and this might have already existed once in the uh, once upon a time. I could see like a punk venue being called Shea Stadium.
0: Well, there was one. Do you remember that? It was in Brooklyn. I knew it. Damn yeah, it, I, in, it was in Brooklyn. It was it was short lived though, but I remember like it would be like you'd see it like oh like August fourth at Shea Stadium, and it's like. Ah, uh, it's so cool. It's like a cool homage, um, and that that's was like fun. when City Field was still like relatively new. That was like 2013. So like, yeah. Shay still felt like a, you know, like it didn't sound so weird to say that, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I think that Rob, that's mean. Cool
1: you will open a place. We'll open a place.
0: Yeah. Oh, dude, that'd be so cool.
1: Even just a cool cafe. That yeah. One thing. Absolutely. One thing that Caitlin's always talking about. One thing, my wife. My wife. And my um, wife. And my wife. Uh by the way, I'm Alex corigliano Micelli. I, I stepped on Rob when he was doing the introductions before <laughs> and we, I never um introduced this is Alex. Uh, did I not intr- did I not uh, introduce wife. you today? It's not your fault. I'm so I stepped, sorry. On, I stepped on your introduction.
0: My bad. I stepped buddy. on it. It's not
1: your fault. <laughs> um a cafe. Like one thing that <laughs> one thing that my wife is always talking about when we're there. We're huge. We love coffee. Rob loves coffee. He makes he makes a good, he's a good barista, um, and a better bartender. Um but one thing we're was talking was, man, I just love a coffee. We don't, really don't do the Dunkin' Donuts coffees. If you really love coffee, that's just not it. Or especially when it starts to get colder, really want a hot chocolate. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, once you leave the stadium, I don't think you're coming back in, so it's not like you could just go get it. But if you want to get one right after the game, it could be like late night hot chocolates with donuts. Oh, no. I just mentioned hot chocolate and donuts. It needs to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, think about it too, right? It's like when you go to a Mets game, your options are kind of few and far between. You can tailgate. You could bring your own stuff. You could bring a grill. You could bring a cooler full of beers, which is always fun. But if you don't want to go to the brewery, which is really the only option at this point because McFadden's is gone. If you don't want to go to the brewery, then you don't really have any options like it's like you're forced to have what's in the stadium and there's some good stuff in the stadium i mean it's nice mm-hmm. that there's shake shack it's nice that they have pizza and they have a uh, vegan city you know it's nice that they have um you know a bunch of different kiosks like most most stadiums do but like i don't know like i would like to like be able to be like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take an uber today or i'm gonna take the train in to the game and i'm gonna just like have some drinks and hang out, grab a bite to eat before the game. And then after the game, maybe me and my buddies, we go out and we have a nightcap, whatever it is. So I think that'll be really cool. And then it's like you have the soccer stadium there too. And then it's just like you have this these two amazing things where you're having, you're, you're kind of hitting it at all different, um, you know, all different times of the year. I think the soccer season's a little bit different than the baseball season. I don't know. Like they play like a very long season, I think. So, um, you would have a lot of people there at kind of all times, but yeah, it would be great.
1: I'd make a day out of it. I I love going to Met Games for my birthday. Uh, I would like this developed area probably has hotels and stuff. I would go crazy. Just get a hotel room. Yeah. I could just spend the area in Queens. and live in Westchester. Uh, go out with all my friends. Go, you know, we could go to like these bars, go to the game, go after to like a barcade afterwards. I really like that idea. I'm glad you said that. Um, karaoke? Come on. I could sing Meet the Mets afterwards. I could sing uh, all those other songs that are weirdly associated with the Mets. Uh, oh, gosh. I'm loving... the Go-kart? Nah, that's too much. But maybe. Get like a little Ferris wheel. Let's get a Mall of America type of vibe.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right? Have like a giant Ferris wheel that you see in the skyline. That'd be kind of cool, honestly. Another thing. Dominic Smith signed with the Washington Nationals today yesterday today or yesterday we're recording on Wednesday I can't remember if it happened earlier today or yesterday but Dom Smith to the Nationals and I know it never really panned out for Dom quite like I think the Mets were anticipating as a former first round pick mm-hmm. obviously you had Pete Alonzo who really like out of the gate just established himself he just Alonzo it's so so interesting with Alonzo because he really just like took it and ran with it. Like he want he was like I want to be a major leaguer cuz you remember like he he like made the team as a rookie out of camp in 2019. Like he they forwent whatever the minor league service time thing was so that he could play um and he just really took it and ran with it. So I think that kind of presented difficulties to Dom. We know Dom is a little bit of like a headier guy too. There was that really candid article that he did with Anthony DeComo earlier or during the summer about how he had struggled with depression and anxiety. And, you know, he was down in triple A Syracuse at points. And like the guy's from California, he's from across the country. And I'm sure that like, when you're struggling like that too, it's really hard. You miss your family, you miss your home and stuff like that. And you're so far away. So, you know, I, I really feel for Dom and I, I hope that a fresh start in Washington will really be what he needs to kind of jolt his career. And maybe he could, he could, establish himself like kind of a second wind but he's 27 he's he's a young guy so i mean he has some years where he could really kind of come into his own be a little bit of a late bloomer but i'll really be rooting for him even though he's going to be a division rival i really hope that dom is a guy that can kind of get it together because he just is such an easy guy to root for
1: yeah i i was i was uh replying to like national fans tweets on twitter yesterday just like cherish him do me a favor and just cherish him we really like him I know you're going to look at the stat sheet, and this isn't an, an exciting signing for 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 you fans. But he's we really like him. He's a likable guy. He really endeared himself to us, and I really, really hope he does well. Hope he does not hit against the Mets, or if he does, it's one of those Lucas Duda bombs where it's like yeah. 8-0, and then he hits a home run, and it's eight to one. But he could like have his flowers and run around the bases, and I'll I'll be happy for him too. Um, but I. I, I Everything that you said, especially since he's typically your your first baseman or left handed, so he's like he's naturally left handed. Wh- whatever, I I hope he does well. I really really enjoy Dominic Smith, and he officially joins the Mets legends. You know, and what's cool about it is if he does well, that's just great because in the past when it was Lowell Mets all the time, when these guys would leave the Mets and blow up and destroy the Mets afterwards, it was always part of the punchline. Like, oh, Mets couldn't retain this guy. Mets couldn't retain this guy. And if Dominic Smith blossoms after he leaves, who's going to blame the Mets? You know, he had his time. Pete Alonso, which, yeah, you're right. Cause I don't think about that in the context enough of how he just really came out of the gates like that in 2019. I mean, we were, the Mets actually competed for the wild card a little bit towards the end. And, Uh, You know, without Pete's bat, that's definitely not happening. So, I mean, yeah, no no one would blame the Mets for, like, him getting away. Because no matter what, the Mets team, whether, you know, it's like this year, a year from now, let's say Dominic Smith turns into, like, an elite first baseman, and he still is when he's 32, like, at the end of his prime in five years. Guess what? The Mets will still be good. Because that's what our ownership group is now. So... You know, Lowell Mets is over. Tommy Smith blossoms. That's okay.
0: I kind of look at it like you know, it, first round picks. There's obviously all that potential with them, but a lot of the times, like first round picks, don't necessarily pan out. Um, but I, I think the Mets had a pretty good track record, truthfully, of their of their first round picks panning out. You you look at like Gavin Chikini. I think it's probably like the biggest bust of the last ten years. He didn't really have. A very solid major league career, but Dom Smith had some good moments with the Mets. I mean, one of my favorite moments is that that home run in 2019 to end the season. That was just an amazing moment. And uh, 2020, he had a great year too. He was he looked like he was really turning a corner. So I think there's that potential there. He's he's just an emotional guy. So I think that maybe you go somewhere, you change the scenery. He's going to Washington, where they're still kind of on the come up. He could kind of establish himself as a guy who. You know, maybe he just takes a little longer to break out, kind of like a Travis Darno. But yeah, I mean, I think with the Mets, it's like in this situation, they really did give Dom a lot of opportunities. And it's kind of like J.D. Davis, where it's like, you know, you gave the guy opportunities and maybe it just doesn't click here. And he goes somewhere else and it clicks there. And I, I root for those guys. I want J.D. Davis to... To succeed, I want Dominic Smith to succeed. I want Tywan Walker to succeed. I do not want Jacob Degrom to succeed. Um, that's not true. I do. I do want Jacob Degrom Real. to succeed. Yeah, I'm a little salty, but I, I, you know, it's like all these guys. Like I will root for them, and I hope they succeed. So I'm, I'll, be, I'll be rooting Dom on from afar, just not against the Mets. Um,
1: Dom yeah. will be such a little cutie in those Washington City Connect uniforms with oh, the yeah, gray with the flowers and the on it. pink flowers. Oh my gosh. I would get that. I, I love those jerseys so much. I can't wear a Washington jersey. I can't do it. But I feel like I would get them I in mean, their money. But if someone gifted me a Dominic Smith City Connect jersey, I would hang it up somewhere. I wouldn't wear it. I don't know. That'd be crazy. Yeah,
0: absolutely, man. You know, get the. I think those uniforms are really nice. Um, so nice. But anyway, Alex, why don't we remember some guys before we get on out of here? Would you like me to start or do you want to start?
1: Yeah, why don't you start? Why don't you start?
0: As always, give me a year, and I will pick a random Met. Uh,
1: let's go with two thousand five.
0: Hmm. That was a good year. A lot of lot of Mets, Mets legends that year. I want to say Craig Brazel. I think he was on the 05 Mets. I, I would really have to check. Uh, Craig Brazel. He was a guy who I don't. I was young then, so I don't remember if, like he was supposed to be a really big prospect. But I remember him, like, he shared a rookie card with David Wright. I had a lot of his rookie cards. But he really just got, like, a taste of the majors. So, but let me see if he was on the 05 Mets. If not, I'll, I'll find someone else. He was on the 04 Mets. So, in that case, the 05 Mets, I'm going to choose Doug McKevich. Um, I remember Doug McKevich. Yeah, he was great. Uh, I really liked Doug McKevich. He made the last – he made the catch – that solidified the Red Sox winning the World Series in 2004, and then the Mets got him in 05, and I think he just played that one year with them because then they got Carlos Delgado in 06. Right. But I remember like going into Modell's in like 2005 and asking for if they had any Doug McDavid shirts, and they didn't. And I really wanted a Doug <laughs> McDavid shirt. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll find one someday. Yeah, you
1: will. That'd be that'd be a cool find. <laughs> yeah, I'll look on
0: eBay. I, I really, really want this. I found this Jeff Francor jersey. So I don't know if you remember this, but in two thousand nine, the Mets had like players like quote unquote design jerseys. I don't know if they actually did, but like there's supposed to be like in the style of, like, that player. And they had, like, five or six guys do it. I don't remember, like, all the guys, but, I like, I still have one. I own one. It's a Daniel Murphy jersey. It's a green Mets jersey, and it has, like, a shamrock on the sleeve. And I remember, like, my dad got it for me, like, larger than what my size was because I was, like, a kid at that point so that I could have it when I'm older. And it still fits me. Uh, so I have that. But I know Bobby Parnell did one. Um Jason Bay did one. I think Gary Sheffield did one. And Jeff Francourt did one. And I found one on eBay and I really want it. But like, like it's 60 bucks and like I don't want to pay that much for it because I don't think it's worth that much. But it's really cool. It has like It it has like the met just like the Mets emblem, like their hat logo on the like over the breast, and then it has pinstripes, and then it has like orange racing stripes on the sleeve. It's really cool. And then it says Frenchie number twelve on the back. Um, Yeah, I really want that. So I might just like cave and buy it at some point. Shit, that's
1: fun. I don't remember those like special jerseys.
0: Yeah, they just did them that one year. And I think it would be cool if they did them again. Like imagine you had like I don't know, like Kodai Sanga, like design his own jersey, or, um, you know, like Brett Beatty, or whoever it is. Like, just like it would be really
1: cool. I think he's got dog paws paws on it. Oh, you saw it? You looked at the core one. I'm looking at yeah. it right now. Oh, yeah, my god. Yeah, it has
0: the dog paw right above like the 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 name on the back. Oh shit, that's cool. Right? I might just cave and buy it. I don't care. <laughs>
1: that's so fun. Yeah. Wow. And they should crazy, do that again. All the names you, you all the names you listed too. Like I could see the Mets doing that now because. The Mets have like a team full of guys, you know, yeah. full of like real names. And then you named Jeff and who I like, yeah. and Gary Sheffield, Gary Sheffield and Bobby too. Parnell. And it's like, Jesus, that was, those were our guys, huh?
0: And even Murphy yeah. at that point, like, he was not a star at that point. That was 09. No, it was like, he was, he was just like that, like, homegrown kid that was like pretty good. Um, yeah, but I still have that Murphy jersey. So. I love, as you that's know, cool. I love obscure jerseys. So I would love yes. to add that one to my collection. I feel
1: like that's like the spirit of Mets legends, and and it really rubbed off on me too. Maybe it gave me a real appreciate appreciation of obscure guys, or yeah. you know, guys who you know have like a what, what's it like a. Uh, flash-in-a-pan type of moment with the Mets and then they're gone yeah and there's like no hard feelings like man that guy was fun
0: yeah like Nick Plummer you know I mean we were at that game together where Nick Plummer hits yes, that we home were. run and Nick Plummer might not ever play another game for the Mets or in the majors at all you know but it's like for that night it's like that was like the Nick Plummer game you remember that like we remember Omir Santos hitting that home run against Jonathan Papelbon like you remember those those players I and mean, it's like it's like it's like like they hold a place just like the stars do. And, and it's like the stars are the ones that people remember the most. But like, I think it's fun to remember those guys who aren't necessarily remember the most. Cause they were still part of the team. They were still part of that history of the Mets,
1: you know? So that's a, that's, that's a fun one. But yeah, um,
0: Alex, why don't you remember a guy?
1: Yeah. Um, it was, it was his birthday last week. And this was a, this was a guy that I really enjoyed with the Mets. Uh, Ramon Castro.
0: Yes. Yes. I think probably in in our lifetime maybe the Mets best backup catcher. He was oh, really he solid. He
1: was fantastic. He was yeah, let me let me find his stats right cuz he was with us in on that 05 and 06 06. Yeah.
0: He was with us for a solid one, two, three, four. He was five with us for a while. He was on the 09 team. I don't remember him. It's so weird because, like, that 09 team. has 79
1: at bats in that 09 team. So maybe I don't know what happened. But yeah. That
0: 09 that team, well, he got traded midseason for Lance Broadway of the Chicago White Sox. Um, Lance but Broadway. Lance on. Broadway. <laughs> uh, pretty, like, apropos for a guy named Broadway to play for a New York team.
1: I hope he thought that it would just unlock something when he got here. Like this was my destiny.
0: Yeah. But you know, what's funny then Lance Broadway actually started acting. I'm like, this is just, you're really just playing into this. Now you're leaning you're into killing the fact-
1: me right now. And that's not true. No, Dude, it's way. true. I promise you.
0: i swear <laughs> to God. Um, but that 9 team, they were so decimated by injuries that, like, it's kind of hard to remember that some of the guys that we associate with the Shea Stadium era, like, played at at City Field. Like, Carlos Delgado was on the 0-9 Mets at one point. Like, he played games at City Field as a member of the Mets, which is really strange. And, like, Ramon Castro is another guy. Like him, like Luis Castillo. Like, these guys that I really associate with Shea played at City Field for a bit. So, it's a little – it's weird. But, um, yeah, Ramon Castro, amazing backup catcher. I really liked him.
1: He had 11 home runs in 2007.
0: Yeah, which is really solid yeah. for a bat. Like, he- I'm
1: trying to remember, like, what years do I – I like, obviously, because of 06, I, I associate him with 06. But Paul Luduca had such a stranglehold as, like, the starting catcher as, as being such a consistent force that he didn't see so much time as, as a catcher. He probably had most of his, you know, games as, like, you know, after like, so he doesn't start like three games in a row. Yeah, a day game after a, a night hitter. Game. So he only has like seven doubles on the year, uh, four home runs, uh, only 126 at bats. So it's like really not a lot, but he was pretty significant in 2005 when he would spell Mike Piazza, mm-hmm. eight home runs and 16 doubles. Like that's really good as a backup catcher. That, I mean, our guys would dream of those numbers <laughs> today. Uh, at 07 looks like it was his best season. He had. 31 RBIs, 11 home runs, mm-hmm. uh, and I just I don't know. Like, look, the stats don't tell the story because I remember him being a lot more significant on the team, and I guess that's what happens when you're like 12, 13, you know? Because mm-hmm. uh, I just remember him being playing a much bigger role, but I just I just really liked him.
0: Well, think uh, about it. Like, think about it like this. You know, it's like it's like we recognize now how good Tomas Nito is and how important he is for the Mets, but like you might look at his stats. 10 years from now I'm like oh you know he he didn't hit for much power like he was kind of a forgettable, fair, forgettable guy but then it's like you see how much of an impact he has on the rotation and like how good he was defensively so it's and also it's like the Mets really since like LaDuca haven't really had a good catcher I mean you had you had Brian Schneider after LaDuca who was okay and then He's like okay. then after that it was like Rod Barajas, Ronnie Paulino um kelly shoppick and then like Darno was supposed to be the next guy and like you saw glimpses of it but it wasn't really until he went to atlanta or tampa bay that he really kind of came into his own um
1: buck was probably the best guy we have had like in that era yeah. like in, the, in this whole time
0: yeah john buck you know and i mean then you had james mccann more recently so it's like I think that's why, like, Francisco Alvarez is so exciting. But also, like, I think that, like, to start off the year, a tandem of Omar and Arvaez and Tomas Nito is going to be really solid. Like, I'm pretty I'm pretty much – I'm looking forward to that.
1: I'm happy with it. And, you know, Nito's a clubhouse guy. They like him. You know, like, you forget sometimes, especially when you're ragging on, some of these, like, more role players, these, like, bench guys, these Ramon Castro types, um – that they're in the locker room, like they're not seeing the field every day, but they're in the locker room every day, and they're on the bench every day with all the other guys, and they're helping them at practice, and they're part of that that community, and they're part of that brotherhood. And you see them on the field interacting, you see them on TV interacting with them in the in the in the clubhouse or in the dugout, and you know that's how that's how these guys become endeared to you, and that's how they become endeared to their teammates. You know sometimes. You look at uh, what happened. They talk about this a lot with the Mariners last year, not this past season, but the season before, where they were pretty average, pretty solid like midseason, and then they traded away. Um, who did they trade to the Astros, who wound up being the Astros' like big uh, closer?
0: Rafael Montero?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it was Montero. Well, no, well, no, Montero was actually thrown into that trade, but there was another guy who was more of the main piece, and I forget his name, but he became the Astros' primary closer after that. But Wait, was, how like, long a big ago was cl- this? This was this was two thousand one twenty one.
0: Uh, the men the Mets
1: trade into the Astros. No, no, the Mariners.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, you're not talking about like Ryan Presley.
1: I am talking about Ryan Presley. Yeah. Okay. And that was like apparently they really liked him in the clubhouse, and that really threw them off. You know, I mean you see that you see this in in baseball. You know you see uh, they they said they they sh- they saw this with the Trey Mancini trade last year in Baltimore. Or with the, the the trades that the Brewers made last year, and that Ryan Presley trade, that it signals, even though the front offices didn't see the, those trades as a dismantling and just like getting rid of an extra piece that they don't want to pay in the future, but you know, I think in the front offices' minds, they're showing faith in the team going forward that they don't need this guy. But with the guys in the clubhouse, that's like another one of their brothers. That's a no, you know, someone else that's on their on their crew. Uh, That they're losing and not only losing, but it it does on the surface look like, hey, we don't believe in this team so much. Like we're not going to strengthen it as much as we can. And so, you know, like even like getting rid of like an Escobar. I mean, the Mets know now that they have a strength and I don't think anybody would take exception to it. You know, it's the business of the game. But they love him. You know, it's very clear that they all love Escobar in the clubhouse. He buys him the fight, <laughs> brings him to the steakhouse. It was a fogo de chow. Yep. Um, he's, he gives fun interviews. He's so fun in all those um, in all those TikToks at the, at the, on the Mets Twitter uh, account. And I think it would probably have an effect on that locker room for sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of good vibes in the locker room, so far away from the bad vibes in 2021. I think there's a lot of good vibes there yeah and it takes like an escobar could be hurtful
0: yeah i agree you know it's like we i think from an outside perspective you tend to lose sight of that sometimes of like the human aspect of it um But, yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully by next week we'll have the Correa deal finalized. We could talk about that. And there will maybe be a resolution on the Escobar situation as well. Uh, We just wanted to thank you guys so much for helping us reach 5,000 followers on Twitter. Um, Thank you so much for supporting us on Instagram. We're at about 600 followers there. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram and you don't already, it's at Mets period legends. Um, Our good buddy Dom has been pumping out some really amazing content for the Instagram. So give us a follow there. We're publishing new reels every single day. Continue to follow us on Twitter. We're growing really, really big there. I'd say you know we've gained about 500 followers in the last month, six weeks or so. So continue following us there. We'll we'll be pumping out some more content. And we also have a giveaway going on right now with our buddy Matt, a.k.a. 1986. There is a... All of the information you need pinned to our profile on Twitter at Legends. Enter. It's free. All you got to do is follow us, follow him, and we will select a winner soon. Picking out a T-shirt of your choice from Matt's web store at 1986. Um, You can kind of see all of the T-shirts there. So, yeah, uh, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next time.
1: Peace. Thank you. Peace.